Are you a sex worker looking to build a new website or a website redesign? Then you'll want to consider Fox Digital. They did a fantastic job designing my website, Stripped by Sia. If you want your website done, mention that you're a listener of the show at foxdigital.design for 20% off. Tell them I sent you. Welcome back to another episode of Stripped by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. I am Steph Sia, a digital content creator, a uh, professional exotic dancer based in Canada, and former sugar baby, and I guess now I can definitely fully add on the cam model aspect since I am definitely streaming regularly now. <laughs> going through like severe imposter syndrome, but now it's safe to say you can find me on Streammate um, under my name, Sia on camera. And um, I've been doing this show for the past, what, three, oh my gosh, wow, going into my fourth year of doing this show on a weekly basis. Um, if you're new here, um, Strip by Sia, the show is all about destigmatizing sex work. And I do that through education by sharing the stories and the lived experiences of sex workers, uh, but not only people that are in front of the camera, people that are also behind the scenes. We also have um, nonprofit organizations that come in, allies, sex worker adjacent companies and whatnot, platforms, CEOs, stuff like that. So we really get a transparent and thorough approach to what sex work is because for so long, society has been kind of dictating um, who we are and, you know, shedding us in a really awful, stereotypical and dangerous light. And I can kind of go on and on uh, with these like negative terms because it has been negative for basically forever. So the show's just kind of here to, yeah, do our part in terms of like um, just describing and giving real accounts of the work that it is that we do because it is work that uh, deserves to be legitimized and recognized. So I do that by having conversations every week with different people from the industry, including this week, which I will very excitedly announce who our guest is today. But of course, if you're already playing it, you'll already see the name. But anyways, we're going to go through a couple more (laughs) mandatory things that I have to talk about, Um, like my wonderful Patreon subscribers. Thank you again. Um, If you have been either a longtime patron, long time, I've been doing that for a year. Um, (laughs) For those who are supporting the show, um, who want to try to support the show financially, because I've had a lot of requests be like, where do I donate? And you do good work and all this stuff is free and accessible for anyone to listen to. Um, You could definitely do that by becoming a patron. So for as low as $4 for the price of a coffee or a really expensive avocado, um, you can definitely subscribe. Um, it's patreon.com slash stripedbysia, and there you can get exclusive video access. So all the behind the scenes uh, videos um, that you can see from all the guests that I have from season five, four, four onwards um, will all be up on there. And there are bonus episodes that you have access to as well. There should be one. There should be one out already for my time at the EVNs and more things coming along the way. So if you want to go ahead and financially contribute, you can. 
Again, it's patreon.com slash script by Sia. And that basically goes towards my hosting of website maintenance and stuff like that. All the boring things, stuff, boring things that you don't want to hear about and equipment. So that's that. Um, also, if you do enjoy listening to shows like mine, uh, you can also find similar podcasts and video casts on skyhawkafterdarktv.com, which is an online um, network of, again, other adult uh, industry and related shows and podcasts and video casts that are all up in there as well as like different kind of content. So feel free to take a look. It's skyhawkafterdarktv.com. And last but not least, I mentioned my website, which basically Patreon subscribers help fund and support. That is Wonderfully made by my sponsor, Fox Digital. It's a sex worker-friendly um, website builder who creates a website for you. Or maybe if you want to remodel your website, you can definitely take a peek there. Uh, for listeners of Strip by Sia, uh, Fox Digital is happily, graciously uh, giving 20% off to our listeners. So go ahead and message Anthony. He will definitely help you out there. It's foxdigital.design and tell him I sent you. Okay, we've got the under five minutes. I know you've been patiently waiting to see who is coming on the show today. I'm really so excited to have this conversation today with Miss Cami Strea, who is joining us today to speak about some really interesting parts of her life. And I'm talking about her time in an MLM and how she's kind of uh, shifted her life and used using some of these um, sales tactics and, and stuff that she might have learned and adopted from her time in MLM. But also, um, I also want to highlight all the good that she's doing as well in terms of her um, the charitable efforts that she is doing to give back to the community, which like I don't hear much of <laughs> in our industry. So it's really, I think it's really important to talk about that as well. So we're going to try to talk about all the things. Um, her life sounds There's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> Your life sounds crazy. So I am, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to go ahead and jump both feet in with you. But if you don't know who Cammie is, and this is just my very small nugget of information that I know of you, Cammie is a cam model, content creator, um, student, uh, I guess, who was studying occupational therapy. You donate 10% of your monthly OnlyFans earnings to raise awareness um, and funds for causes around mental health and PTSD and all these wonderful things. And I just think what you're doing is amazing. So hello, welcome, and thank you. <laughs> Hi, thank you. I'm so excited. I'm like, I'm going to jump in. I'm like, I'm like rearing out the gate. I'm like, please let me in. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. But yes, my story is even before sex work um, enters the picture, it was very interesting um, because I was kind of involved in the MLM before I got a sex work, right? So mm. let's see, I'm like, I think, so I've been in, in the adult industry as a whole for going on seven years now. Wow. Um, I've been in the online arena for the last three years. Uh, February is actually my three-year anniversary, porn anniversary. Porn anniversary. Porn anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see. So I got started originally in this. So I was in undergrad originally back in like, God, 
I don't remember. It was a long, <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. But even when I was an undergrad originally, I was sugaring on the side. This was when I was an undergrad, orig- like before I dropped out. Because if you know about that part, which we will get to. Yes. Um, I was sugaring. I like was basically going out for like, I was so broke because I was a college student. I would, It was horrible. I would just go out for free lunches and free dinner. Oh, <laughs> I, girl, I hear you. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> We've been there. We've been there. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but just before my final year of undergrad, uh, my brother, I was in, it was in the summer, right before my, uh, senior year of, uh, university. So yeah, my brother had no idea, you know, how to reconnect with me, I guess is what his idea. So he met these two people, um, that turned out to be, um, his like sponsors into the organization to this MLM. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he met them through, like, I think he sold something or bossing on Craigslist and that's how they met and they got and they, and they connected him. And then, a week later, he connected me with them via like what's called a board plan. So he invited me over to his house. My brother did, and he showed me the plan. It's called mm. the plan. Okay. And I was like, "Wow, cool money! That sounds fun. <laughs> money, cars, <laughs> private jets. Yeah." So, and he was my older brother, and I thought thought it was a great way to reconnect with him because um, we didn't like drift away on bad terms or anything. It was just you know, it was just time we drifted apart. Mm-hmm. Um. Smash cut to like maybe a month later, this organization, for some context, holds four major, fu- what they call major functions every year. So one per quarter. So the one that was coming up was, um, I was living in Virginia at the time. Um, and we basically flew down to this function down mm-hmm. in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. That was like Friday to Sunday kind of thing, a weekend. And I was dazzled. I'm not going to lie because the entire weekend is just full of people telling their essentially what is a rags to riches story mm. culminates in a Sunday quote unquote optional uh, worship service of some sort or Sunday service of sorts, which I didn't grow up religious. I was always very like witchy and spiritual. I still am. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably because of the true roots of my heritage. I'm Peruvian. There's a lot of, witchy shit that goes on there yeah yeah totally <laughs> like, like ayahuasca hello it's like or quite i'm pretty sure originates in peru <laughs> which i've yet to do but um <laughs> so we get there to the sunday worship service and like some weird thing happens between my brother and i in terms of some we had some weird coming to jesus kumbaya moment oh. and i don't know i don't know if it was necessarily like we were quote unquote saved but i don't know if i'd necessarily consider us being saved i think just I think my brother and I just reconnected and it was nice and something spiritual happened, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't say something Christian, something necessarily Christian specific happened, but <laughs> I went with it for a long time. Cause I was like, you know what, if this is the way, then this is the way like this is, I saw the, I was such, I was so young at the time. I was like 23, 22 and I'm 29 now. So that was a long time ago, actually. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like, yeah. it feels like it was like a year or two ago and it wasn't. But I just saw the money and it wasn't necessarily their sponsors, but they would bring out people like the people that are speaking at these quarterly functions are the people that are at the highest level. They are the people that 
are making 100, 200K a month probably. Right. Which is wild because I literally make that now. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't flash my money like like they do with the private jets and like the cars and like the things I never really never cared about with to begin with and still don't. Yeah. But I was like, well, if this is the way to be rich and like to be a good person and to be a good person means going to church, like sure, I'm going to go along with this Um, because you see people with authority. They these people almost became like my pseudo parents. My mm. actual parents are amazing. They've always been super great. Haven't always seen eye to eye about everything, but what child and parent relationship hasn't been perfect. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, no, there was never anything traumatic that happened. So I'm like, <laughs> people are like, why are you like this? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just am. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm a very curious person. Um, so I continued, um, with this organization while still living in Virginia, I continued on with my undergrad for a little bit. I tried to drop out, but initially my parents were so mad. So I like stayed back in school for like a few more weeks. And then eventually I just stopped going to classes. I like mm-hmm. officially unenrolled in uh, undergrad literally one semester before I was supposed to graduate. <laughs> I quit oh, school. Uh, yeah, I quit school and then. I ended up moving to Seattle uh, because that is where my coaches and the organization are, like is based out of. So to be clear, so MLMs are one thing, multi-level marketing companies, um, and training organizations are another. The specific training organization that I was in was called Worldwide Group. And the MLM, which is the product line, is called Amway. So oh, kind of yes. like Amway, yes. Everyone's pretty much everyone's heard of Amway, Scamway. Yeah, I kind of. <laughs> so, um, not just a scam necessarily. Like I didn't experience too much of the scam parts of it. It was more like the indoctrination parts of it, and that's not a. That is not a consistent theme throughout everyone that has experiences with MLMs, and it, it frankly took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that I was in a cult. Because mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, you were just in like a pyramid scheme. I'm like, people equate to like Mary Kay. I'm like, no, this is not like Mary Kay or your Avon lady down the street. This is yeah. vastly different because there was a specific training regimen. The way I like to compare it to is uh, think of like the brand Dole Pineapple, right? So Dole Pineapples are sold in Walmart, Target, whatever kind of other grocery stores that might be near you, whether it's Vons or I don't, I don't know what kind of grocery store they have in Canada. We have like Lowe's in North Carolina. We have all kinds of Trader Joe's, whatever. Yeah. So all these stores sell dull pineapple, but each store is a little bit different. Like Walmart and Target are a bit of a different experience. Yes. So that's how we would that's how we would compare ourselves in terms of the training organizations. There are other training orgs that are more like a lesser version of a store, whereas others like our organization was very suit and tie. We like had to dress up for everything um, just for the professionalism aspect of it. So I moved to Seattle. Um, I ended up breaking up with my college boyfriend at the time because he really wasn't involved with this company. He didn't really understand it. So I was like, whatever. So I'm in Seattle and I get there. I decided to like my coaches, I say encourage in a lot of areas, but I don't think encourage is the right word. I think they very much like pressured they pressured me to be celibate because they're like they're like cammy you need to be a born again virgin um i think that's the right way you need to cleanse your body blah 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 i had no idea and neither did my brother my brother did stay at home like he was continuing going to church doing a good thing like it helped him kind of clean clean up his act mm-hmm. a little bit in terms of like trying to be a little bit more 
sober. He didn't have an alcohol problem, but he also didn't use it very well either. Yeah. And he recognizes that. So it kind of helped him stay straight and form a community of supportive people out there via going to church. I didn't really get that. But um, so I, I had no idea going in Seattle how religiously conservative and extremist that my coaches were. My mm. coaches were several, like, if it's like a ladder, right? There's se- there were several people above me because the people, like, in between me and them, it was an older couple um, that were, like, in their 60s, mid to late 60s. And it's funny because Seattle is such a, as I've come to know it, such a very open, open vibrant city. Yeah, very like like very socially liberal. Yeah, it's like of course I happen to of course I find the most fucking conservative people (laughs) in the state. (laughs) So I moved there not knowing what to expect. I just moved there on a whim. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna follow my dreams. I want to retire early. That was the whole shtick that this company had, this organization had, is you're gonna retire by 25, retire by 30, quit your job forever. Blah blah blah. Yeah, be financially independent. I'm like, that sounds great. Of course. So I get to Seattle and the first inkling, the first red flag that I got that this organization was something was off, or at least with my particular coaches. Um, one was that they were pressuring me to be born again, like a born again virgin or celibate. So I was like, whatever. Okay, sure. Yep. I don't I have no interest in dating anyways. I want to build my business, build my company, continue recruiting people. This is a recruiting heavy um business model. Right. We, like we, a lot of other MLMs are more sales heavy. This was more recruiting heavy. You still had to sell your own product because that's how it stays legal. Is you don't uh, just, you're not just recruiting people and like taking their money. You have to have a product that or something that you're selling. Gotcha. Um, so you just kind of just open up your own store, online store, and just kind of buy from yourself, and maybe have your parents buy some laundry detergent or water <laughs> or energy drinks. We we sold everything. We had makeup, yeah. water, energy drinks, everything. Yeah. Um. But the the biggest red or the first red flag was when the um, wife of the couple that was mentoring me, and by the way, they were flying out every two weeks in Virginia on their own dime to help build my team. So that's why I was like, wow, these people really believe in me. Yeah, totally. So when I got to Seattle, I was having a conversation with this woman, uh, with my coach, one of my coaches, and she brings up the fact that yoga is demonic and like god like, like something like the devil created like i think yeah. i don't know why how that got brought up but i was like that's fucking weird like yeah who says that who says that like i don't know if it's because of like yoga pants I, I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> but i was like that's super weird man okay whatever yeah. i'm like they're just they're just kooky a little bit loony they weren't just loony because it just kind of kept going on and on and on and then so i stayed celibate for probably like six months. I continued working full time. I just picked up whatever job I could. Like, I think I worked in, I worked in software sales for a little bit. I lasted like all of six months before I randomly met a guy. I was working a side job at a winery because wine is really big in the Pacific Northwest. Yes. Not just California, but Pacific Northwest has amazing wine. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Some of my favorite, like, oh, a Willamette Valley Pinot Noir is like Yes, I'm actually heading there next week. (laughs) Willamette Valley, really? Yeah, Yeah, I'm heading there. Oh my god! Oh fuck yes! Have you been there before? I have, I have. I am a fan. (laughs) But if you have, I couldn't. Let me know. (laughs) Yes, I, I, I don't think I could live there. But visiting, yes, it's very kind of gloomy weather. But I'll stay in the sunshine in Colorado. Yes, fine. (laughs) 
So <laughs> I was working at this winery, right? Um, and I think it was like Christmas Eve of a million years ago. <laughs> it was Christmas Eve and this guy walks in, uh, this like really regal looking Polish man. And he walks in and I'm just like whisked whisk away. It's, it's Christmas Eve. I'm closing up shop. He walks in last minute to get a present for his friends or whatever, like a dinner party is going to. And it's like snowing. I'm like, of course, my first white, white Christmas. This is so nice. And he just like whisked me away emotionally. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, yeah. So he, he turned out to be a complete asshole. Like he was very like emotionally avoidant. He had issues. Also happened to be like a military veteran, which he never talked about. I, I know he was in the army. I'm pretty sure I have no idea what his occupation or what his MOS was in the military specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and before him, when I was like, when I was 18, I dated a guy that was in the Marine Corps who had went into the Marine Corps while we dated and that also did not end well. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, pattern, weird. Yeah. <laughs> military. It's like, that's, that's where the seed was planted. I was like, weird. Okay, there's something up with these military guys that I'm <laughs> somehow attracting to my life um, who have like, who some may or may not have issues. But um, my vow of celibacy quickly broke. And then um, a couple weeks later, I basically go up to my coaches. I was like sitting on my hands. I'm like, I don't want to tell them because if I tell them, I know they're going to like, they're going to like, I'm going to hear it. And I don't want to fucking deal with it. Yeah. So I tell them and they're like, Cammy, oh my gosh, it's going to be okay. Just repent. I'm like, what is this? I feel like I'm like, am I in seminary school? Like what? Yeah. It was super, super weird. So like, but it was fine for a bit. And then I just continued seeing him. Ultimately meeting him was how I got out of the organization because I was more distracted by him and like mm-hmm. being around someone, basically a civilian to the outside of the organization That's helped me kind of get some perspective again. He yeah. never knew. He still doesn't know that I was in that organization. I kept it a secret the whole time. He still does not know. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause I mean, like when you're in these organizations sometimes too, and like because. I'm also like really interested in learning about this, not like obviously not joining any one of them, but like they're fascinating to hear like the psychological effects and the trauma that can happen in these organizations. But when you're in it, it's kind of like blinders on. Yeah, you just don't know. You feel like a fish in water is like the best way I can describe it um, because you're being surrounded by people solely, strictly that are also in the organization. You're getting like when you're in, when I was in this organization, you had a very specific, basically to do list, task list of chores that you had to do every day that included, and they were like personal development is how they kind of framed it as, but you had to listen to one CD or one audio a day of basically it was like a set list of uh, different stories of people telling their rags to riches stories, different couples that had made it big in the, in the, in the company. You basically have to right. listen to one of those every single day and they're like an hour and a half long. So it was really annoying. And then oh you have to gosh. read like, yeah. then you had to read 15 to 20 minutes out of a book every day. And it can only be a book that's on the approved reading list. So they curated all of your input. Like anything, like you can't watch, like you couldn't watch certain shows. You like, it's, it's wild, like retelling the story because I'm like, wow, this is super weird. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like you, they they taught you to be careful as to what you put, like, put in your mind, that everything else is like poison. You don't want to poison your mind with the outside world, with outside people. That's why you don't have sex because you don't want your body, your mind to be poisoned by right. lust, by 
by great by whatever. Want to keep it pure. Exactly, exactly. Oh, very puritanical. So yeah. that it was very interesting that I was even able to hide it because I was frankly embarrassed. I think deep down that I even got into this position this far, and I was letting people basically dictate. Um, what to do with my life but I felt invested because I moved literally across the country from Virginia to Seattle yeah into a 110 square foot apartment it was tiny I was paying a thousand dollars a month for 110 square feet yeah Seattle was very expensive pretty sure it still is it is it is I live in Vancouver just above Seattle and it's equally expensive same thing (laughs) (laughs) same thing basically Down, and sorry, at, at this point, like, was your brother still in Virginia as well? Like, did you have any support systems out in in Seattle or just, like, the, the guy that you were dating at the time? Pretty much just, like, the guy I was, like, dating or whatever in a situationship with at the, at the time. My brother, I think, had kind of um, slowly pulled away from the organization because he was no longer getting support really out there. Mm-hmm. Um, people who sponsored him also moved to Seattle. Like, a bunch of the group that was sponsored – all kind of collectively moved out Seattle to Seattle at the same time to be around um, our coaches and our organization, right? Just for better access. So the fact that I was able to keep those a secret from this guy was a miracle. Yeah, um, but that's ultimately what caused me to kind of stop. I ghosted a bunch of these people, but <clears throat> I still would talk to them on like a base, basically every day, every other day kind of basis, uh, just to kind of check in and. I would go to board like every night we'd have to go to meetings. We'd I'd work my nine to five and then from five to midnight or five to one to two AM, we'd have to go to meetings, board plans, like try to recruit people, try to meet people. Every day I also had to basically approach five people and do what's called drop the message. And if anyone else has been in this organization, they're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. Cause it's the same verbiage used for this particular organization called Worldwide Group. And I'm not talking, just to be clear, I'm not talking negatively. This is just my personal experience with Worldwide Group, just FYI, just a disclaimer. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone has different experiences. Um, I'm not blaming Worldwide Group. It's more of the particular individuals um, that I was involved with. So I'm seeing this guy, right, and um, having sex. Like, we're not really, like, I'm pretty sure I cheated on him. I don't really know. We we were never official, so I slept around with other people, too. I was like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. And one day... I guess like I watched porn one day. I was a very regular porn watcher to begin with, but I guess I wasn't watching porn, I guess, for the majority of the time in the organization. Mm-hmm. And I watched porn and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to tell my coach, oh my Larry. Gosh. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to tell him. So I go to his office, like we meet and I go to his office and tell him and he's like, Cammy. And he like, he's like, will you pray with me for a second? So we like hold hands. So we're like, brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He's, he's, like, he's like a – he's some sort of like tax attorney or a state lawyer. I can't remember. Some kind of very boring lawyer. <laughs> and he had a be- But he had a beautiful office overlooking the water. And I'm just like watching the whales. <laughs> and I'm like, what are we praying about? And he proceeds to tell me that – he's like, Cammy, you are a sex addict. And I think you need help. What? I'm like, ha- I'm like, Lily had sex like three times basically and watched porn during this whole like year long period, basically like six, 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 12 month period. And he's like, you're a sex addict. addict. Oh my God. It's a bit of a stretch, like, but okay. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the next step for him was to send me to a, some sort of therapist in quote quote unquote therapist Mm. uh, trauma therapist 
And it's basically, basically it turns out to be some like Christian, random Christian lady who probably took an online course, is not an actual certified, like, you know, therapist, licensed clinical counselor therapist who specializes in sexual trauma. And basically the entire session, I had to pay like $300 or something, something crazy for it out of pocket. I'm like, I'm broke, but okay, this works. And she try to have she she had me recite everyone i've ever slept with as a way to like break bonds or whatever break break the break the bond break the bond and i literally got to like i only got to so many people where i'm like i forget like i literally don't i have no idea how many people people i've slept with like this is hopeless (laughs) (laughs) and then she just gave me a bunch of cds basically to to listen to Oh my god! And um, it was super weird. Yeah, and I was like, that was more traumatizing than anything. I was like, I, it was. I call it slut conversion therapy because she was yeah. essentially trying to get me to stop being a hoe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But from there, that's where I really started to pull away from from the orc. I was like, this is not, this isn't working. <laughs> I think that, yeah, that was the point. Like, I, I wouldn't say there was like a huge straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, but it was like the final, it was, it was, a, it was a final straw of some sort <laughs> um, where I really kind of, that's when I hard ghosted. I was like, fuck these people. Like, yeah. and then some other things happened. I went through some like more like kind of, I had an experience of like severe physical trauma, like in, while I was in Seattle, um, just because I was a trigger warning. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was at a at a party, um, and some like really bad shit happened. Like I was I was basically almost killed uh, by someone who also happened to be a military veteran. I did not know him. It was not the guy I was dating. It was somebody else. Um, for a long time, I was upset at the guy I was seeing because I'm like, you were there. Why did you not do anything? Yeah, um, he was like too drunk to like take care of me. But no one needs to take care of me. That's no one's responsibility or or, or fault. Um, so yeah, I'm like, that was, that was it. That was the actual straw that broke the camel's back. I was like, clearly my time in Seattle's over. I basically sold all my shit. Two weeks later, I move and I'm in North, and I'm in North Carolina. Why North Carolina? Because, uh, my parents, um, had retired at that time and we have a beach house, uh, like a family beach house in North Carolina. So I basically just went and crashed with them, Mm -hmm. um, just I'm like, mom, dad, help me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and they did. So I basically re-enrolled back in school, back in undergrad. I was like, you know what? I want to go back to what I originally wanted to do, which was occupational therapy. Right. Uh, when I was an undergrad, before I dropped out, I was still trying to pursue occupational therapy. Um, but I wanted to work with kids at the time. Since then, I've grown to really dislike kids, to be honest. <laughs> I'm like, kids, working with kids is not my cup of tea. So I wanted to work in occupational therapy, ironically, with uh, military veterans with PTSD and traumatic brain injuries. Um, oh. But also, because of what I experienced, I was also highly vested in improving conversations around sexuality and mm. intimacy and sex in general in the medical field. Because awesome. occupational therapy, if you don't know what occupational therapy is, people think occupation as in job. Think of occupation as what occupies your daily life and what you need to do on a daily basis to literally just live your life, like brushing your teeth, going to the bathroom, walking your dog, driving your car. Those are all Mm -hmm. occupations of like activities of daily living that we all need to do. Totally. Even like, um, yeah, you go to the grocery store, like, um, 
creating a budget for yourself. Like those are all occupations, it's very broad, but it's very beautiful because um, you got to help people resume and return back to their lives in a way that is appropriate and meaningful to them. Awesome. Um, so sexuality is included in that umbrella, whereas sexuality is not included in, all of, in, is not included in other arenas within right. the medical and healthcare field. So like, okay, relationships, let's talk about them. You know, like yeah. if, if someone had a hip surgery, we need to address or medical professionals need to be able to be prepared to address safe positioning, safe, like there's a lot of different things, safe positioning, um, conversations around sexuality, consent, um, mm-hmm. especially like nursing homes. It's a whole weird thing. <laughs> yeah. We never even think about that kind of stuff ever. So yeah. um, positions that may conserve energy as well. If you had like a heart attack or had any cardiac issues or even any sort of illness mm-hmm. um, is also hugely important. So um, that's, that was one of my big passions as well, because I've always been a weirdly sexually curious person mm-hmm. and it was kind of like okay brave new world I'm back like I'm back yeah. now, so I was having to rediscover myself post MLM yeah uh, post cult post cult yeah I mean question then, like did you have yeah. did you suffer from any trauma from the MLM or was it just like a, a huge disruption in your daily life for that year it was both um because I think it took me a couple years because I kind of associated everything negative that happened to me to be like everything everything that happened in Seattle so my like the physical assault that I had that I just survived um MLM it was like all one big thing that happened together and I associate Seattle so like I have since been back to Seattle once and it was um slightly healing I think because I like told myself I will never go back I fucking hate that city because of what happened to me so I think going back was like a little bit cathartic I still wouldn't like choose to go back to Seattle but I also know that no one's gonna hurt me there no one's like I'm in control of my life now right good for you in terms of like yeah in terms of like repressed there was a lot of repressed sexuality and I think it also had to do a little bit with my assault um Mm -hmm. with kind of which is a very normal reaction when when you suffer any sort of Tra- any sort of trauma it could be grief um yeah you can be either like you can kind of become sort of hypersexual like superficially hypersexual or hyposexual too i think those are those are totally normal trauma responses and i became very hypersexual i was basically i was like going through guys like underwear on a daily basis sometimes twice a day my parents were not having it they're like like cammy you need to like don't invite people don't stay out late yeah. <laughs> they're trying to like and they're trying to implement a curfew on me and i'm like i can't do this <laughs> it's not gonna happen <laughs> nice try. I'm, like, I'm like i am 20 they're like at the time i was like 25 i'm like i'm not what like they, they just assume like if some if their child lives under their roof it's a very like latina thing latino mm-hmm. thing like if your yeah. child's under your roof then like you have say over their life i'm like that that's not like i lived on my own before this i just am this is a landing pad for me so <laughs> i'm like don't get it twisted so thankfully though my parents at the time um oh so i was um finishing up my undergrad um, online and then pursuing uh, my prerequisite courses to be able to apply for graduate school. And then I got into grad school. So yeah. So thankfully at the time, my parents were traveling a lot because they were retired. They were traveling all over the world. So I was working a little job at like an eye doctor as an optician and Mm -hmm. that was super boring and it was interfering too much with like my studies Mm because they wanted that was their Monday through Friday, nine to five basically. Oh, wow. So um, I lived near an uh, a area, an area called Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh, yeah. and, and that area is heavily, there's so many 
golf clubs and or sorry uh, golf courses so right. along with golf courses there's like 300 between like within an hour it was like three to four hundred golf oh, courses it's gosh. crazy so That's everyone crazy. we call it like, like the northerners like people from like new york new england that whole area would come down in the spring and fall during golf season not summer only spring and fall because mm-hmm. uh, summer's family time but in the spring and fall it's like <laughs> it's so it's a weird phenomenon that goes on in like the u.s i don't know if it's just the u.s or if, if it's everywhere in general that has golf areas but it's like these guys would get together every year and they've been doing it for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. <laughs> and they have like a, like a boys week. It's basically, and they can do whatever the fuck they want. It's so weird. It's like a yeah. bachelor party when they're 40 and they do it every year. And like the yeah. wives have kind of a don't ask, don't tell policy. And of course there's strip clubs out there. So I took a job as a cocktail waitress at a strip club. And that's kind of where I got my start. Um, I was seeing a couple sugar daddies when I was living in Seattle, but Mm-hmm. nothing crazy like I said I was kind of just uh coasting and coasting yeah I just wanted free meals and I appreciate the conversation and I know like um I went out with a couple CEOs of some nonprofits, which I so they weren't really sugar daddies they didn't have a lot of money but I, <laughs> I was like I love charity and that's cool because I got to get a more inside view of how I of how organizations are run okay yeah totally from their perspective and, I, and ultimately I learned a lot from a lot how to hustle in the strip club, even just as a cocktail waitress from being in the MLM, because I was learned, I, t- I, was, I learned, was taught how to market, how to promote myself, sales, so how to cool. like people skills, even like we had to read a shit ton of books on people skills. And I thought I was outgoing, but um, in retrospect, I know for a fact that I am much more of an introvert because I like to stay home, but you're taught in this organization that it is the right thing to like ask people how their day is going and Basically, it's the right thing to bother people every day. <laughs> right. So, sometimes, like, I don't know. It was very much out of my comfort zone to, like, compliment people constantly and be, like, and try to, like, find one-liners to, like, open up conversations with people. So, yeah, yeah. I was working at a cocktail just, um in Myrtle Beach, and I did pretty well there for a while. Yeah, so at this point, you're starting to kind of take the skills that you learned before and also with the sugar daddies that you were going on dates with to kind of build your your sales skills and marketing skills at this point. Exactly, yes. Like you're, you're upselling bottles. You're like trying to sell experiences um, to different guys throughout the night. Um, mm-hmm. It was just – it was a lot of – I had so much fun. It was so much work. I was working basically 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. wearing five-inch heels – as a cocktail waitress, which is stupid, but oh my gosh, these clubs are very these clubs are very old school, mm. and they mean they want to maintain that kind of Look. aesthetic, yes, yeah, for that crowd because it is a much older crowd, um, which it is what it is. Uh, but I had a great time, and then I was living on a tiny island at the time, and then so a lot of people end up finding out that I was working at the strip club, and. My parents knew about it the whole time, but like they were getting approached by neighbors, like, "Oh, do you know your daughter? Is she okay?" And my mom was like, "Excuse me, like, why are you talking about my daughter? Don't yeah. you bring up my daughter?" I'm like, "Yeah, mom, <laughs> tell them. <laughs> I do what I want with my life." But I'm like, "I'm." That's kind of when I realized my time there was over. So then I moved um, to a nearby city called Raleigh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and that's when I ended up uh, meeting a stripper at a very exclusive club in the area, and. She basically got me an audition and I started stripping and it was nice. fun. It was right across the street from an airport. So there was lots of people in and out. Yes. <laughs> great great <laughs> location for a strip club. If you think about it, like people have a layover, they'll just like go over, hop over to the strip club really quick across the street. They had great food too. But I had some of my, I had some of my best times there truly at the strip club and um, really got an inside 
view of what it of my growth from being a baby stripper to like more of a veteran and like if you're if you're in this six months you're like basically a veteran <laughs> you survive six months and you learn and you don't get like beaten down either by other girls emotionally yeah. obviously like by other yeah. girls because it is a very catty or it can be very catty environment depending where you are totally um, yeah yeah and also management it can also be an issue too that was the main thing yeah management because i'm like oh i definitely had a guy pull out, pull his dick out during a private dance and like they didn't kick him out i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you like that's so stupid like i was i was like two like two seconds away from like stabbing him with my pleaser so <laughs> but i didn't uh, but i very much it was it was funny seeing the progression because as a baby stripper i was very like shy submissive cammy like Right. Oh, sure, I'll do what you want. Like, you want to suck my nipples in the VIP room for $20? Sure. Like, horrible. <laughs> yeah. And then and then, I, and then I figured out, you don't have to let them touch you. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, you don't have, they don't have to touch you? Because you go in this mindset like, oh, well, they're paying. Like, you know, I'm taught to be, maybe as a woman or maybe like culturally, I'm taught to be a gracious host. <laughs> like, maybe that like bled into my, how I behaved or carried myself as a stripper. But, like, when someone pointed that out, they're like, Cammy, you don't need to let them do that. I was like, what? <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> yeah, my eyes got, like, real wide. And I was like, cool. So then, like, then, then yeah, then I became dominatrix Cammy for a hot minute. And I got paid, like, $3,000 one time to just tweak a guy's nipples for, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> over his shirt. Over his shirt. Oh, really? So that was cool. Oh, my gosh. Cool. Yeah, I was just, like, tweaking his nipples for – 20, 30 minutes for three grand. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure like as most strippers do, we have like some crazy stories, but so it's not overall like not too crazy. Like it's crazy compared to like the civilian, the vanilla world, but it's like, eh, it's like, it is what it is. This late yeah. nights, I'm tired. We go to Waffle House in the morning when we get off work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nothing, you know, nothing super unusual. Stripping, like, so um, that was just before the, pan- that was before the pandemic, obviously, but that was helping me get by financially. Uh, while I was in finish up my grads, my, my sorry, my undergrad, and um, mm-hmm. I had and going into grad school, I just found out at that time I got into grad school. So, yeah, exciting, <laughs> exciting. And then, like, I, I guess were you using like, did you get into sex work to kind of help yourself um, fund your schooling or just like to live? That was it. I was very much survive of a survival sex worker. I was right. working. I would only work the. I would primarily work the day shift because if you worked day shift, which nobody really wants to work, you got free lunch, and they made awesome mm-hmm. salmon. And I didn't have enough money to buy myself any sort of nice lunch that wasn't either ramen or like anything else that's really or like hot dogs and mac and cheese. So, right. um, I was like, this is a nice lunch that I get to have every day. That's guaranteed. That's free. Yeah. Um, it's very much like a shelter for me, to be honest. Like, I was just a broke college student, but I was an older broke college student. I was, like, my mid-20s, not my, like, I couldn't rely on my parents anymore at that point. They were retired, so I'm not, you know, they're on a fixed income. I'm not trying to ask my parents for help. I can support myself on my own, and I did. Amazing. And I had some great months, and then I was working the – I went back to working the um, – not back to working, but I guess I returned back to Myrtle Beach – Mm-hmm. to the golf uh, for golf season to work uh, as a stripper this time instead of a cocktail waitress and it was so much fun and this was like <laughs> february of 2020 <laughs> and oh, i'm like great okay. so much fun and then you're hearing the news and then you're watching the news and it's like 
And then you start to get more and more paranoid of like being so close to people and like yes. men like coughing on you and breathing on you. And I was like, oh my God. And then the pandemic pretty much hit in March. And I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I am yeah. out. I am so out. I had made an OnlyFans in February of 2020, even before I heard about um, the pandemic, because I was mm-hmm. trying to cam to do camming at the time. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say I'm a cam model, but I like I was on Chatterbait briefly. Yeah. It just didn't work well for me because I had no idea what I was doing. But it did help me get my initial customer base um, from Chatterbait came to OnlyFans, which was very nice. So, yeah. yeah. And then I got uh, my grad program started May of 2020 um, online. (laughs) (laughs) Healthcare program online. We were all trying our best. You know, there were a lot of even medical schools that went online. I'm like, how do you do this this? without patients or – Real people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then I started on TikTok. And then later that year in October of 2020 is when I went super viral. Because um, I give away, I gave away like free links to my OnlyFans, my paid OnlyFans for military and veterans for Veterans Day. Amazing. So that one went super viral. And I got a huge boost um, to my page and a lot of my customer base to this or my audience uh, base to this day is still heavily military and veteran. I think it'll wow. always be that way because they'll always hold a special place in my heart. That's incredible. That's amazing. Is this also around the same time, um, I guess, in terms of like your education and people finding out from your program, what you did for work? It was like a, it was about a year, it was exactly almost a year later. It was October of 2022. So I went on to continue my uh, program online and then January of 2021 is when it finally went back to like in-person classes. Right. So that was nice. I'm like, cool, I can finally meet everybody. Yeah. Uh, And for some context, the program I was in or the school I was going to was a private school. And private school usually means it's a Christian-funded school or Christian-founded school, Mm -hmm. which was fine. I mean, it wasn't – they weren't trying to teach us anything. But my cohort, my class size was about 30, 35 people, primarily girls that were all younger than me. They were all like – 21 22 living with mom and dad right hadn't really, hadn't really left the state they want to they want to work in pediatrics they want to work with the babies i'm like i don't want to i want to work with adults like yeah. adults and older adults was my was my, what i wanted mm-hmm. like the population yeah. i wanted to work with yeah. there was maybe like three men in the class and they were all super cool i was like these are my people yeah <laughs> the other girls were like very much goody two shoes so um Summer of 2021, we have clinicals in person, and that's when I met my partner, uh, Lev Lieben, mm-hmm. who's also my co-creator, Yes, um, which I'm very glad I met him because I was dating someone really lame before him. <laughs> he was like an orthopedic surgeon that just wasn't very much like small-minded in terms of like, oh, Cammie, you're just, you just, you're just a grad student with a really nice side hustle, but you're going to be like, he very much encouraged me to just continue my education and just let this kind of what he thought was my side hustle that was literally making me like 20 to 30 grand a month at the time. Yeah. Which is amazing money as a student. Um, He just very much diminished my sparkle. Yeah. That's so annoying. Like, of course, it's being like, oh, it's going to be a phase for Cammy. Like, this is just going to, you know, going to pass through this kind of thing. And I, I find that more common in this industry that like men will be like, like kind of like quote unquote, okay. Or they'll like tolerate or say they'll like, oh yeah, that's great. Like you're in sex work. You do porn. That's amazing. And then like push come to shove, like six months later, they're like, not, they're like no longer okay with it. I'm like, what yeah. happened? <laughs> like, that literally that happened, happened to me. Literally happened to me. Like, oh no. Oh, so annoying, but it's okay. 
I know. That's why I always tell people up front. I'm like, hey, I do porn. I am in sex work. Like this is, but I mean, at the time it was just supporting me for my school. So um, once I met my um, current partner, my uh, Lev, a lot of things opened up for me. That was like summer 2021. Clinicals were a hot mess because we were literally online for the majority of the program. And then they like released us to the wild of real <laughs> patients. And I almost didn't, I, I was, th- I was so close to not passing my clinicals. Because oh I had no idea what I was doing. And then like the last, somehow the last week I passed. I don't know. I'm like, I'm like this medical, <laughs> the medical system in the U.S. is broken. That's how you'd know. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, I mean, but yeah. I also, yeah, I was working with a different population than I had really studied because my focus was um, neuroscience and neurological rehab. I was mostly working with like orth, kind of like a very mixed population in a hospital, but they didn't have a neuro, neuro department, a neurology department. So I was very limited in my capacity of what I knew. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but yeah. And then, so in October, I, we clinicals are over by um, end of July of 2021. And by October of 2021, that's when a TikTok went super viral and it had to do with me selling my boyfriend's used cum rags. <laughs> oh, my God. And apparently – so when you have, like, TikTok and if you don't use a VPN or any sort of, like, identity kind of protection or location, like, masking software, yep. you peel in your it'll, – it'll pump it out pretty heavily to, like, your immediate area. Yeah. Which a lot of people don't know. That's You don't have a lot of control over it, unfortunately. So mm. a lot of people in my, um, like, class found out. And the way I found out was – that they knew was like one of them called me one day and was like, Hey, Cammie, do you want to go to Walmart with me? And I was like, what? She was just trying to have, I've never talked to her in my life. Like really, like I, she had my number, but we never really communicated. We were acquaintances and she also wants to be buddy, buddy. And was like trying to say things like, you know what, Cammie, if you had an OnlyFans, I I bet you'd smash it. I bet, I, I bet you'd be so good at it. But like, I bet you don't, I know you don't have one. She was like baiting me for information. It was, it was very, very peculiar. Yeah. And then, there was a comment about like, do you have TikTok? I'm like, no, or like something, something about TikTok. And she's like, oh, oh, but yeah. your TikToks are funny. And I'm like, fuck. Okay, she knows. Like, you saw my TikToks, then you saw my Instagram, so you know I have, you know everything. You were just baiting me for information to see if I would yeah. admit to it, and I and I kind of did. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I'm like, who else knows? And she's like, oh, like nobody else. Like, she tried to lie, and then like two other girls knew. So I'm like, okay, now I need to talk to these girls and see what they know, and what yeah. they're gonna do about it if they're gonna do anything about it. One girl called me and I respect her so much for that because she was like, Cammie, I'm so sorry. Like, I will not say anything to faculty. Like, she was like, she was trying to like say like, you know, I'm kinky too. Like, she's like, I've only ever had sex with one person in my life, but like, we're into crazy shit. Like, she was trying to justify herself to me. And and I thought that was so cute because she like wanted to like relate to me in some way. (laughs) But she, yeah. Like, okay. yeah. And then another girl, the other girl never <laughs> called me because I, I just wanted to clear the air. I'm like, what exactly do you know? And what totally. do you plan, plan to do about it? Like, am I, do I feel protected? The other girl never yeah. called me. So I'm assuming she's the one that told faculty because eventually faculty found out and it was a stern conversation of, Cammy, you can't be doing that. This is like, oh, you're going to the medical field, blah, blah, blah. So I was pushed out of my program. Oh my gosh. Um, and I didn't care. Like, obviously, I was forced to leave my program um, just through all, like, the bullying. It was very awkward. And yeah. the bullying wasn't, like – nobody ever called me a slut. People would just be, like – people would just whisper constantly. Like, I'd walk into class, and people were, like, were whispering, whispering, whispering. And mm-hmm. 
in the middle of breaks during class, girls would run up to me and like ask me for like sex advice. I'm like, what the fuck do you think this is? Like, uh, I'm not. I hate that. Yeah, I became I became a spectacle. Yeah, and it was very very uncomfortable for me. And I was like, you know what? I'm making a, a lot more money doing this uh, than I would be even as a clinician. As a clinician, yeah. I would end up making like 60k a year. <laughs> I was making that a month, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck these people. Fuck this program. Fuck the health system. <laughs> <laughs> that I wanted that I wanted to go into. Good for you. Because I saw I saw a lot of that red tape over the summer too, and it was so disheartening. I'm like, this the healthcare system in the US is very, very broken. Yeah. A lot of people couldn't receive care because of their insurance, their Medicare, their Medicaid wouldn't cover it. And mm-hmm. it was it was very disheartening to me to not give the care that I know people can get. Yeah. Um, just because they simply can't afford it. It's not right. It's not yeah. Right. So so that same month, when this within the span of one week, I um, Playboy reached out to me and wanted to feature me on their website because they had moved everything um, online. online. It's no longer a Mac. Yeah, with a, it's called Playboy Plus. Um, right. So and that's all like you they pay for me like it's not a paid thing. Like I they pay to have me on set basically, and they have a Playboy photographer. So after that, I got that call from them. I was like, "Fuck school, I'm leaving. <laughs> this is yeah. my sign. I'm, I am." so out and it was the best thing that could have happened um yeah and then I guess here we here we are now so like I've been full-time since October 2021 now um full-time in the adult content industry (laughs) wow that's well crazy lead up and everything yeah just kind of like fell into place but also like just want to say sorry that you had to go through that and also just kind of be denied for your program, especially like for you just wanting to help people. Um, and especially, yeah, we, we all know the the American health system is really fucked up. Yeah. And so many healthcare workers are underpaid. It's like, what do you expect? I, I worked with other strippers who were nurses. I'm like, clearly like there's a problem. Like there's same thing when you see, see these teachers trying to like pay their bills by also ha- doing OnlyFans. I'm like, we just we need to like destigmatize it because it's not anything gross or bad. Like it's not. We're just trying to support ourselves and also make a positive impact in the world. So ultimately, I'm, it's the best thing that happened because I'm able to now make a much larger impact on the world than mm-hmm. I ever would have been able to as a clinician, as a clinician or as any sort of medical professional. You can only help one person at a time, right? With a maximum of, of eight people a day, literally within within an eight hour day work day. Mm-hmm. You're probably looking more more to like five to six because lunch break, some patients take longer. There's so much paperwork, admin work, you're getting bogged down and all that. But now I'm able to make, I'm able to 100x my impact that I want to make because money talks. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's an incredible journey. And there, wow, like you have definitely gone through a lot and were able to really turn your life around as well through these opportunities and through your work in sex work. So amazing story, crazy story, <laughs> but everything fell into place. <laughs> it did. And it's funny because I'm, I'm sure the happiest, healthiest, most financially secure I've ever been. My parents are so happy for me because people are constantly on the internet like fatherless or father must be proud or parents must be proud. I'm like, yeah, they are because like initially, like does any parent want to be like, hear that their daughter's doing porn probably not it's not like their go-to you know what I mean it's not their first pick right. for their child but it's also at the same time I'm able to literally pay my parents bills I'm, I'm able to provide for my parents for my family in ways mm-hmm. that they weren't able to and they see that support and they see that I'm happy healthy in a good relationship in a good 
relationship first and foremost with myself, um, which wasn't always the case. That's so important. Yeah. (laughs) And then now you're still, I mean, you're not helping people in the occupational therapy avenue, but now you're still helping people. Um, Talk, let's talk about like your charitable efforts um, in terms of like you giving back to the community and like donating partial proceeds of your OnlyFans, like your monthly OnlyFans earnings. I'd love to hear about this. Yeah. So um, neurology and neuroscience was always my passion. That's kind of why I wanted to get into the occupational therapy or the OT world to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, And not just work with military veterans. That was kind of just my first, like, I wanted to work with that population because I think I personally had a lot of, like, weirdly enough, a lot of trauma with a lot of people that were in the military. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I could be bitter or like try to understand it. And I think that's just how my brain works. That's how my trauma response worked was like, I want to seek to understand a little bit better as to why these things happen. I come from that kind of place of mindset that when bad things happen, I understand why and how so that maybe I can prevent it or prevent it from happening from somebody else in the future maybe is my, is my goal. But the military veteran population is a population that is highly disregarded in healthcare and has a lot of barriers to access in healthcare. But in general, my platform now is really expanded to all like mental health and specifically alternative therapies within mental health. My passion very much lies within psychedelic therapies. So funding, yeah. So funding like alternative therapies, retreats um, around like psilocybin, LSD. And Mm -hmm. I follow a lot of research around psychedelics and um, as basically medicine. Mm -hmm. So funding research trials is like kind of where my sweet spot is right now in terms of how I give back because that's going to do a lot more for the future, especially in terms of legislation around psychedelics, which I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, I'm really really happy I live in Colorado because um, they um, decriminalize and basically legalize ethiogenic plants. So very exciting to be, I know Canada, Mm -hmm. like you can literally buy, like in Canada, you can literally just order like you can microdose online, like you can just order them online and they come to your own. I'm like, what? That is yeah. a dream. And we've We're got not quite stores everywhere too. Like that's just like the new cannabis store. It's just like now it's all mushroom stores everywhere now. It's popping up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a mushroom dispensary, which yes. we're, we're not too far behind, but we're not quite there yet. But yeah, because I think overall and ketamine obviously is, um, I think is now, I think it's now FDA approved. I can't quite, I can't remember, but um, mm. you can find ketamine therapy treatment centers pretty much anywhere in the u.s now any state any city it's so common now so it's very cool to be living in this era um of alternative therapies because i know people who have tried traditional forms of medication and it hasn't worked for them so being able to support people in this way is very meaningful to me personally uh but i've also done like random things like i'll give away money to random people like (laughs) if someone at like i don't know like i'll befriend a lot of my um, supports my subscribers and like the sometimes like especially early on I have some OG subscribers and fans that kind of like dropped off the base of the earth and I'll reach out to them like hey are you okay like what's going on and it's like yeah man like I like got I became homeless and like they didn't found my car I'm like oh my god like where's your car how much is it $200 done here where's your what's your Venmo what's your cash app yeah um and then it's, it's just little things like here and there. Like that happens all the time. I never tell my partner because I feel like he likes it. He's like, it needs to be by the book. It needs to be to a, like a, uh, like I need to get a receipt for it. I'm like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> my account, my accountant would be mad too. They're like, they're like, what is this for? I'm like, uh, charitable donation, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredibly huge of you. Cause like, as I mentioned, I don't really hear about like a lot of people, um, 
having the opportunity to give back. And of course, like uh, because you have such a large platform, you are at a privileged spot to be able to do this. But also it is really amazing to to hear of this because like we need more people to be like that. But also like a conversation that I had with um, uh, Vanessa from Streammate uh, talking about companies that need to start getting behind their creators and also um, having a conversation about like how we can support and that is something I would love to see in the future as well. Not just from the creator, but also backed by huge platforms and companies as well. Exactly. Because that is a huge problem, or not a huge problem, but it is a, a problem in the kind of nonprofit industry is that mm-hmm. if they depend on what the origin or, or what type of nonprofit it is, they will deny donations from sex workers. And I'm like, the fuck you care where my money came from? Yeah. Like, it was obtained legally. So even if, even if it wasn't, like, just be grateful for the money. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I definitely want to move into a space, like, of where I call it porn lanthropy. I'm like a porn lanthropist. <laughs> so I kind of coined that. I've coined the term porn la- porn lanthropist. Um <laughs> Using your like, like literally like shaking ass and titties and getting fucked on the regular and using it to fund money and re- redistribute wealth into causes we care about and to the people that need it. Like, I think that's fucking yeah. cool. Like, that is awesome. Like, yeah, I make, a sh- I make a shit ton of money, but I want to make, I want to make millions and millions of dollars a year so that I can distribute that to companies and orgs that need it locally, nationally, internationally. I think that is the coolest way to pay back to like kind of pay it forward totally oh my gosh we need more people out there like you (laughs) to do this kind of stuff I think that's really great and and so selfless as well and like hopefully yeah you are being able to reach the people that you really do want to help and it sounds like you're on the right track for that so (laughs) yeah I'm definitely I'm definitely trying it's a work in progress so I'm I'm sure the next step for me is to eventually build out my own foundation um but I don't know quite what that would be yet because I am passionate about so many things I'm like I want to give money to random families like buy random people a car like that need it obviously like if mm-hmm. like or like accessibility is a huge thing for me as well um if someone's like injured and they need a new vehicle then let's get them a new vehicle let's pimp out their ride accessibly <laughs> yeah oh my gosh well there's so many different ways you can do that and I'm sure we'll have to do another follow-up interview or something to see like where you're going next because I think there's gonna be some big things happening for you in this space so sure. very yes. exciting <laughs> but um yes. there are a few questions that did come from the audience as well Ooh. that I feel we yes. can probably go into so um first question is like common misconceptions of being in a cult or an MLM Oh, I think that people often think that I was like swindled. I don't know. I think the way it happens is often a misconception because it's like people are like, why didn't you know? Yeah. Aren't you stupid? Like the people think I'm like that work where a lot of us are dumb, but it like the process of getting into an MLM and like enmeshing in it is such a subtle process. It takes so much time and it's such a subtle indoctrination that you don't really see it coming so i think that's the biggest thing it's like you're so smart cammy like you literally went to school for like basically neuroscience so why didn't you see it coming i'm like i because i try it was people i trusted it was my brother who also didn't know he trusted these people too he had no idea yeah and it happens in very subtle ways and 
even in the when I was in the MLM, we're basically taught to find the most vulnerable and desperate people. And I was very much vulnerable yeah. and desperate at the time. I was strapped for cash. I had my back against the wall. Um, yes. So, yeah. They do definitely victimize people that, you know, are in tough spots. And sometimes that can be marginalized groups of people, um, uh, BIPOC, unfortunately. Exactly. Exactly because like we I my parents, you know, came to the US to pursue the American dream and I wanted to create that and or, or pursue that for them as well. Mm-hmm. And I was just a student. So and I, I ended up going into twenty thousand dollars worth of debt because they mm-hmm. taught me that like to use credit cards to buy my own products if no one else was mm-hmm. buying. I'm like, Jesus. So I went into twenty thousand dollars worth of debt just in water bottles and perfume, basically. Oh my god. <laughs> Useless shit. Yeah. yeah. That's nuts. But yeah, like uh- there's so many of those like you know tinder swindler and like nexium and like um the yoga pant brand and like whatever oh yeah (laughs) so many of them there's so many of them right but like people often forget to have empathy for those who get into these situations because they're people like you and me that you know you're recruited by someone that you trust and they sometimes exploit that trust or the people above exactly. them are exploiting that. So people need to also understand um, and put themselves in, into your shoes too, right? So, Right, exactly. Um, this person is asking, how is she doing today? Does she still suffer trauma from being in the MLM? Great question. I think with time, all things pass, but I did, I did go to counseling, especially after the trauma of my, uh, more like more physical trauma that I, um, survived. I went to a fantastic therapist, um, who specialized ironically <laughs> in sex addiction, but she, I didn't see her for sex addiction. I know she was like, she told me straight up a sex addict, a real sex addiction counselor told me that I do not have a sex addiction. And that was the most validating thing ever. <laughs> and she's like, you're just therapist, right? <laughs> exactly. A W therapist. Like, yes. So she basically helped me work through, I was just misusing sex as a coping mechanism at the time. Um, after my trauma, which again is very common for any sort of trauma. So, right. She kind of helped me a lot through that. And she kind of be- we became friends and we still kind of um, communicate here and there, like maybe a couple times a year, just kind of check in. So she knows how I'm doing, but she's yeah. super happy for me. Um, like being in sex work was, was and is, has been so healing for me because I've taken back so much autonomy and control over my life, over my body, over my sexuality, especially in the independent creator realm. Mm-hmm. In the mainstream, I mean, I know a lot of mainstream people get a misconception that people um, that shoot mainstream studio porn, which I do not, um, don't have a say. They do. You have you you get to have a list of people that you want to fuck on camera. You can say no or yes right. to whatever you want, and people forget that. Yes. Um, that that's the actual norm, <laughs> not the other way around. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would say I'm doing like super well um, because I've recognized and. I've learned, uh, I've, I've just become so much more self-aware that it was a cult, that it was experienced, it was validated, and I can move on. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, so so glad to hear. And it really sounds like you're in a good place right now and really grounded. So really proud of you to just be yes. like in a good spot, in a healthy spot too. Um, yeah, it's not easy, but it's definitely doable. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last question is, um, does the MLM you were in still exist to this day? And how can these 
quote unquote businesses continue, um, are they not illegal? As far as I know, it's still around. Yes. I don't know how well it survived, to be honest, during the pandemic because it was so recruitment heavy and so heavy on initiating interactions with people in person. Like we, like I mentioned before, we were told, we were like basically told to approach five people a day. Not like it wasn't door to door. It was just like out and about at the store or whatever, at like the mall, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how well that survived or if they, cause they were very anti-social media because they didn't want to be seen as like another like herbal life or yeah. whatever, or like Mary, Mary Avon kind of thing. Yes. Tupperware lady. So they didn't <laughs> want to be associated with that. So I'm, 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 a, I'm thinking they're probably a lot heavier on the social media side now. Mm. Um, I'm sure it's back to normal now, but it's, it's really up to the individuals that sponsor you and your sort of lines, what are called lines of affiliation, which is kind of like your family tree that sponsored you. And right. my particular family tree within the organization was just heavily, heavily conservative Christian, like mm-hmm. weird, fundament, fundament, more like fundamentalist than anything else. <laughs> yeah, gosh. And yeah, I mean, that whole, that whole story and like just being so rooted with that and like forcing celibacy and just like the weird yeah and as far as the legality i mean no one's like no one's putting a gun to my head so i mean i get it but at the same time legally it's 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 a it's a great area it is something that's i think being investigated right now um by some like pretty big um news outlets because i thought i was alone and they're finding more and more people have the same story so i'm like wow okay coming (laughs) to a netflix near you (laughs) probably honestly who knows (laughs) (laughs) well i mean thank you so much for for just sharing your story and your bravery too because like being so vulnerable and being able to shed truth on organizations like this can really potentially help people that are out there listening as well. And I'm, I'm just really particularly impressed that you're able to really just turn everything around and um, change your life for the positive. Exactly, exactly. Like you can do porn and still change the world. You can do porn yeah. to change the world. And I don't – I just think that's my biggest message is that you don't have to be a doctor, a lawyer, or like a teacher. You can do other things that will impact the world in much bigger ways even if other people are trying to stop you, which clearly was the case for me. I had barriers to try to make an impact on the world and I still found a way. So, yes. Yeah. There is a way. There is always a way. Yes. <laughs> but Cami, before we let you go, where can we find you? Um, so my Instagram is at Cami Straya. All over Twitter is at the Cami Straya. Or you can go to my website, which is just camistraya.com. And you can find all my socials, all my platforms uh, on there. <laughs> Yeah, for everyone else listening, is Stripped by Sia on all major podcast platforms. Feel free to follow. Um, you can go ahead and subscribe. You can rate five stars. That's how a lot of people can help uh, gain access to the show and helps with visibility. So do your part in doing that if you are enjoying the content you are listening to and consuming. And again, it's patreon.com slash Stripped by Sia. Uh, you could also just go ahead and message me on Twitter. It's Stripped by Sia as well as on Instagram. And if you want be on the show it's driftbysia.com um you can kind of pitch yourself there but give me a real pitch because uh yeah <laughs> i need i need kind of need those but um yeah new episodes every single sunday dropping at midnight and we'll catch everyone in for another great episode next week thanks so much for joining me cammy it was such a great conversation to have with you today thank you so much for having me steph really appreciate your time <laughs> <laughs> thank you 
You're listening to Stripped by Sia, hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia. Music by Ted D. Graphic design by Maria Bellandarama, and photography by Ian Davern. <laughs>